Hello everyone and welcome to Box Office Receipts. I'm your host, Tyler Callahan, and do we have some trouble at Marvel Studios? Uh, Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania came out this past weekend, and it ain't doing that great. Let's get into the uh, domestic top five. So it should be noted that the weekend box office numbers will be in a four-day format to account for President's Day. It also should come as no surprise that Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania came in first place, opening with $120 million. In second place is Avatar The Way of Water with $7.8 million for a total of $658.8 million. Third place is Puss in Boots The Last Wish with $7 million for a total of $167.8 million. In fourth place is Magic Mike's Last Dance with $6.2 million for a total now of $18.8 million. And in fifth place is Knock at a Cabin with $4.5 million for a total of $31 million. So on paper, the $120 million opening should be great. It's the best opening for an Ant-Man film, and people get to see the next big villain, Kang, the Conqueror. However, this weekend turned into a mixed bag for Marvel Studios and for Disney. Yes, the film opened up great, money-wise, but reception-wise, we're looking at a train wreck. First, the reviews came out, and it's become run on Rotten Tomatoes, and as of now, the only worst film being Eternals. Then the cinema score came back from audiences, and it is a B, same as Eternals, and worse than Multiverse of Madness and Love and Thunder. With the poor reception, its legs will likely not be great, and will finish between 200 and 250 million domestic. One positive news in all this is that basically everyone loved Jonathan Majors as Kang, so they are set for the villain going forward, just that everything else was a mess. Mainly the script and the visual effects. I would not be surprised if there was other delays down the road for Marvel projects besides the Marvels, as it's needed. Even Kevin Feige said during interviews that Marvel Studios will be slowing down a bit. This would also help out Disney in regards to them needing to save over $5 billion. Personally, I don't think Marvel Studios is in trouble yet, but they do need to slow down, make some changes for their roadmap going forward. Let's go to China, where Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania opened in first place to 19 million. Uh, in second place is The Wandering Earth 2, with 12 million, for a total of 569.2 million. Third place was Full River Red, with 9.3 million, for a total of 652.7 million. Fourth place was Boonie Bear's Guardian Code, with 5.7 million, for a total now of 207.4 million. And the fifth place was Deep Blue Sea, with 4.8 million, for a total of 122.7 million. Right now, the box office in China is starting to slow down, and Ant-Man did not do much to help. For reference, Ant-Man and the Wasp back in 2018 opened to 68.2 million. As for why the huge underperformance, well, it doesn't help. It is a weak Marvel film. And Marvel Studios is going to have to work on the issue that most people in China have not really seen anything from Phase 4, and they're now kicking off Phase 5. Legally, the only Phase 4 content they got was Wakanda Forever, and that was two weeks ago. So, how are they going to increase interest in the MCU again? I'm going to have to wait and see. Taking a look at worldwide numbers, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumedia made $121.3 million internationally for a worldwide opening weekend of 241.3 million again like it's domestic opening it's okay but if word of mouth is weak internationally as well we are looking at 600 million or less finish magic mike's last dance made another 4.6 million for a total of 37.7 million worldwide 
Knocket Cabin made 1.6 million for a total now of 47.3 million worldwide. Puss in Boots: The Last Wish made 9.9 million and now has a total of 421.6 million. The likes of this film have been really outstanding. Finally, Avatar: The Way of Water has just barely passed Titanic to become the third biggest movie ever worldwide, with a total now of 2.243 billion. We start off the news in Hollywood with scumbag Harvey Weinstein being sentenced to 16 years in prison for his LA case. This is on top of him already being sentenced in New York for 23 years for other charges of rape and sexual assault. All I have to say is good. Less spoken about him, the better. There's an update to the Cineworld bankruptcy case. Over the past few weeks, we have talked about how they have allowed interested parties to place offers for the company, and now we have a small answer to that. Without naming any said parties, the company told bankruptcy court that they did receive offers for parts of the company as well as interest in buying them out completely. However, no offer reached the $6 billion of debt that needs to be paid off, nor did they receive any all-cash bids. The next steps for Cineworld is that they will keep reviewing offers until April 10th, where it will then have to be final offers from anyone interested. After that, if no deal is made, they will move forward with their restructure plan, with a vote for that set May 30th. In surprising news this week at Warner Brothers Discovery, they have closed the deal with Embracer Group to make new Lord of the Rings movies. In case you might be out of the loop on this, uh, I believe it was last year Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema lost the rights to make more Lord of the Ring films, and Embracer bought those. Now, Embracer has made a new deal with Warner Brothers and New Line to make new films. No word on what they will be just yet, but I would assume they would switch it up from just doing a remake of the trilogy. should also note this does not affect the Ring of Power show with Amazon, as those rights are being handled by Middle Earth Enterprises, who made their own deal. This is a big big get for Warner Brothers Discovery, but they're going to have to tread carefully on how they make these films. It can't just be a remake, or it will look too blatant of a cash grab, but they also need time to develop, or we're going to end up in another Hobbit situation. Still, if they do it right, they have secured another franchise for the studio. Variety has the exclusive on this, and that is The Flash is set to be shown for the first time at CinemaCon in April. The event is for theater owners where studios pitch to them what they have coming up and, well, Warner Brothers is confident enough in The Flash to show it off almost two months before release. Last year, Paramount made the same move by showing off Top Gun Maverick during their presentation. There's a new comedy in development at Paramount thanks to a report from The Hollywood Reporter. They are saying that Ryan Reynolds is working on a comedy called Boy Band. He co-wrote the script with Jesse Andrews and will star and produce the film. His frequent collaborator, Sean Levi, will also produce and might direct as well, that's not confirmed yet. This comes as the second film in development at Maximum Effort Productions and with Paramount, thanks to their first look deal the studio has. Since we have no idea what the movie will be about, hopefully it's good, and I'm glad studios are making more comedies again. One thing that has been lacking in theatrical releases are comedies. Deadline is exclusively reporting on a new casting for Thunderbolts, the Marvel film coming out next summer, and that is Steven Yeun is joining. While they did not say who he's playing, they just said that he's playing a significant role in the film, and based on rumors, after this came out, likely the villain. I'm happy he is getting more work, as he is a great actor, and Minari was really good. For trailers, we got one, which is for Past Lives, from May 24. It premiered at Sundance, and so far has gotten high praise. Uh, it's written and directed by Celia Song, 
No word on when it will be released, just sometime this year. Personally, I like the trailer and it's worth a watch. We start off AOD Premium with Amazon Studios as they have lined up My Spy 2, or as it's now called My Spy The Eternal City. The first film was one Amazon brought from STX over the pandemic, starring Dave Bautista and Chloe Coleman. Well, it was a hit when it came out on Prime Video, so Amazon is moving ahead with the sequel. Besides Batista and Coleman returning, Ken Jong will also return, and Anna Faris and Craig Robinson have joined the cast. Peter Siegel will also return to direct, with production beginning this month. Now, I've not seen the first one, so I don't know if it was actually good or not, uh, but look, it was a hit for Amazon, so it makes a lot of sense to do a sequel. In an exclusive on Variety, we are getting a clear picture on how well Pokerface is doing for Peacock. They reported the Nielsen streaming numbers for the end of January, and Pokerface debuted in third place with 547 million minutes. should be noted that this is for the top 10 streaming original chart, uh, and the top 10 for everything it did not make the top 10 list. Still, for Peacock, that is really, really good, and the highest that they have been on the Nielsen chart for streaming. In another exclusive report from Variety, BritBox now has 3 million subscribers. This is up from 2.6 million from last March. While not a big increase, it is only available in 8 countries and has shown consistent growth, which, considering how the streaming market has been over the last few months, is very important. Now let's get to Warner Brothers Discovery, where they have a lot going on this week. We start with their quarterly earnings report, where it wasn't good. First, what we care about the most, the subscription numbers, and it was basically flat, gaining only 1.1 million for a total of 96.1 million worldwide between HBO, HBO Max, and Discovery+. Plus. Regarding the upcoming merged service between HBO Max and Discovery+, Plus, the company has set a date for April 12th to go over that in more detail. For the company, they have a net loss of $2.1 billion for the quarter, which is not good. However, during the earnings call, the company is saying that the worst is behind them, with last year was focused on reorganizing and figuring everything out, and 2023 will be the year of them building. They also mentioned that they'll be moving toward doing $4 billion in cost cuts by the end of 2024, up from $3 billion when they first merged last year. I will say, considering it was the holiday season, they should have gained more subscribers, but you could also say they didn't have a big show over the holidays and had people cancel after House of the Dragon. They should hopefully see a solid increase in the first quarter thanks to The Last of Us. As for updates to the service, uh, Southside, a HBO Max show, has been canceled after three seasons. Now, it is an MTV-produced show for HBO Max, so depending on the rights, it is possible the show could get a fourth season somewhere. Maybe Paramount+. Plus. Another show ending, this one from HBO proper, is Succession. The creator of the show, Jesse Armstrong, has confirmed the upcoming fourth season will be the end. Uh, we knew it was going to end with either a fourth or fifth season. Uh, I do find it kind of weird that they're only saying this now, just over a month before it's released. It, it sucks. Uh, Succession is a great show, but I get it. They don't want to run it into the ground. If they can nail the ending, though, this will end up being one of the best shows of all time. One new show at HBO Max is the It prequel show called Welcome to Derry. Not much is known about it right now, but it will be set in the same universe as the recent IT films. And we finish up with a lawsuit. That's right, Warner Brothers Discovery is suing Paramount over South Park. Why? Well, because of a lack of new content. So, for this we have to go back a few years. So back in 2019, pre-pandemic and everything, when the company was getting content lined up for HBO Max, Warner Brothers signed a deal with South Park Digital Studios. 
which is a company run by the creators of the show and Viacom, now Paramount. The deal was to have the back catalog of the show, as well as streaming rights to the next three seasons. And they spent about half a billion for it. Okay, so far so good. Now, the issue is in 2021, MTV, which, as we all know, is a subsidiary of Paramount, announced a $900 million deal with the creators of the show. Those terms stated that they would make South Park up to season 30, okay, but they would also make 14 movies for Paramount Plus, with two set to come out in 2021. So what Warner Brothers Discovery is suing is that Paramount is getting around the HBO Max deal by having South Park work more on the Paramount Plus films than full seasons. See, during this time, South Park has been coming out with new episodes, but instead of a normal 10-episode season, it's been getting two episodes for one and six for another. The company claims they were supposed to be getting 30 new episodes over three seasons, and at this rate, they'll just be getting 14. As for Paramount's response, they are saying that this is not true, and oh, also Warner Brothers is not paying their license fee, and they should get on that. So based on everything here, this should be an easy win for Warner Brothers Discovery if, if the contract they stated three seasons with 10 episodes each. If that is the thing they signed, easy win, open and shut case. If that was not in writing, this becomes messy. As for who I side with on this issue, uh, I'm siding with Warner Brothers. Uh, Look, Paramount absolutely made their deal with MTV spending almost double what Warner Brothers paid to get South Park to work on their stuff first. I'm okay. It's a smart business move, right? But their deal is the same issue they had with Yellowstone. A big IP that they have, but back in 2019, they were not fully focused on streaming, and they sold the rights away to a future competitor, right? You had the original Yellowstone show, sold the rights to NBC Universal, right? Peacock. And now they're all focused on spinoffs. South Park, same thing. Three new upcoming seasons, HBO Max exclusive after being on Comedy Central. So what do they do? Well, how about you work on films instead? Now, the contract for HBO Max, I believe, actually ends in 2025. So at this point, Warner Brothers, I think, is just looking for compensation, right? Like, I mean, look, this isn't this wasn't a long-term contract. So it's like, look, I think if they just get paid a bit, they're willing to just shut up and walk away. But look, overall, Paramount made this deal, trying to get content for Paramount Plus, and to fix the mistake of previous deals. That's basically what this comes down to. And that is it for this episode of Box Office Receipts. Thank you for listening. See you next time.